Right, the Ashes started, of course, with a bang over a week ago with a test match that will be remembered for a long time. It was a classic, but Australia ultimately the victors there as England's hyper-aggressive and no doubt polarising ethos pushed the game to a place where a result was absolutely compulsory. So we head into this test match at uh, Lords starting tonight, New Zealand time, um, with Steve Smith and Manus Lavashane barely off the mark in terms of runs, so Australia have that up their sleeve. But what do England have up their sleeve, and what are the prospects at the, the home of cricket? Well, Simon Dool, our very own Simon Dool, is um, really uh, based in, in England uh, during this time of the year. He's been commentating uh, the women's ashes, uh, but he's uh, cast a, a really close eye over the men's as well, as well as uh, the Vitality Blast and, of course, the 100 as well. She's a busy bloke, so it's uh, great that uh, you've uh, managed to give us a bit of your time, Dooley. Thanks for that. Hey, morning, Smithy. Yeah, good to hear from you. Uh, first of all, let's start with the women's ashes that you've been uh, been working on. Really uh, a good test match and an advertisement, perhaps, that there's room for more test cricket around the world for women. women. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, in the rotten environment, um, and over five days, I think it works. When you look at the last um, nine tests played by those two countries, England drew their last five, Australia drew their last four, but predominantly because they only went into four days, and, and that was all that was played, four days. So the last um, five-day test, I think, for, for the women was way back in 1992, um, and this one produced a great result on, on day five. It wasn't the result that England were after, but there was some very good cricket played throughout. There was um, a lot more positive, I think, Smithy, than, than I'd seen uh, a lot of test cricket from um, the women's side of the game in a long, long time. Mm. You know, run rates of nearly four and over, and, you know, double hundred for Tammy Beaumont, big hundred um, for Annabelle Sutherland, and then eight wickets in the last innings to a spinner when the ball started to turn and bounce a bit. So I think that's sort of all you could ask for. And, you know, the crowds were okay. The numbers on uh, TV, TV were very good. And I think it, it, you're right, it was a very good advertisement for the women's game. Right, let's um, move forward, Dolly, to uh, the men's version, test match number two at the home of cricket tonight. First news coming out of uh, the England camp is they're going with four seamers without a specialist spinner, and not very often that happens to an England side at Lords. No, not at all, mate. I, look, I'm surprised. They they picked the wrong side in the... I, I think they picked the wrong side to start the series completely, Smithy. That, that's the biggest issue for me. Um, how they ever left Ben Folks out. And I mean, I know you're more qualified to talk about this than I am, but England didn't lose that first test because of... Um, a Moeen Alley or, or any reason apart from the fact they did not have a genuine wicketkeeper and, and that was their biggest issue um, you know leaving folks out of the lineup, playing Johnny Bester who was barely walking properly let alone running properly as their keeper he missed three crucial chances and that's why they lost that first test match and they haven't resurrected that because I think they're stubborn I think they've been very stubborn in their selection policy um, they're now gone with Tung who bowled well against um, Ireland but I don't think it fixes that problem. I would have um, played Ran Ahmed um, as the spin bowler. He can bat. He fits the ethos as far as aggressive batters are concerned, so there's no problem with that. But I think they need a spinner. When you're going into a test match with just Joe Root as your spinner, I think you're, um, you're going into dangerous territory. So, look, and as you said in your, um, in your top piece, Australia did it without runs from their two best players. And you just know that they've been working their backsides off in the nets in the last uh, week or so, and, and they'll come out better as uh, better at Lords as well. So I don't know how England get out of this. I know they've asked for a green seamer. I've seen a picture of it today, and it does look a bit more New Zealand-like, uh, to be honest with you, than, than England-like. 
This is interesting, Dooley, because up until that first test loss, and now we're seeing the magnitude of what it, the Ashes means to England cricket supporters and former players, up until now, Brendan's copped uh, very little very little criticism, but now there's some big boys starting to ask some questions, the boycotts, the Petersons and co. Yeah, there are, and, and I think questions around the declaration as well, Smithy, were, were, were quite incredible. If it was Jimmy Anderson and um, Stuart Broad out there in the middle, I say go for it. Absolutely, what a great decision. Um, you know, move the game forward. They're not going to sort of take the runs forward at an enormous rate for you, so I wouldn't have had a question with it. But it was it was quite a silly declaration when you've got a bloke on 118. You know how a crucial first innings runs are in test match cricket. Uh, they had nothing to gain. It wasn't like you were asking a debutante or a couple of young opening batters to go out there and, and face that new ball for four or five overs. You're asking two vastly experienced international cricketers to go out there. So there was, I don't think, anything to gain. And that 50, 40, 50, 60 runs that, that Joe Root could have scored, you know, some that night and some the next day if he was still there, and he, he didn't look like getting out. I mean, they would have possibly, again, won England the test match. So there was some... You know, look, they haven't really faced a stern, stern test um, of of their um, game plan until now. But the, if you remember rightly, all of those test matches that they've won, they won with Ben Folkes in the lineup. They won with Johnny Bairstow not keeping. They won with Johnny Bairstow batting at five. And, and, and the, so the outlier in this whole Ashes situation is Harry Brook, who sort of sprung to prominence. And, and that's been their problem, trying to fit Harry Brook in. So in doing that... They've left out their best wicketkeeper, but they've taken Johnny Bairstow from where he was so brilliant for them last year, which was just batting, being a fielder, and batting at number five. And so they've changed the whole dynamic of the team around in this one series. And I think that's probably why the questions are being asked. And then they go and bring Moen Ali back, who has had no interest in playing Test Match cricket whatsoever was never, ever going to last. I mean, and we said this, we all said this to a man, most of us in that in the commentary box said before the test started, how will he get through 20, 25 overs per innings in that test, having only bowled four overs? And his finger blew apart. And so it was just some really crazy decisions prior to that first test made. And, and so the, the questions have to be asked. Right, let's um, let's look at the tactics. They're not going to back down, are they? I mean, they're going to go hell for leather again because no. that, that is just the way they've played. Yeah, it is. And, and they will continue to do that. Um, and, and this is the one time that, uh, you know, they just find themselves up against a very, very good side. Australia are just as relentless. They don't play as aggressive, but they are a very relentless cricket side, as we know. And they've got, they've got world-class players. And, you know, the, the difference... I see the difference in the series right from ball one was probably going to be Nathan Lyon and then the, the, the sort of the batting group. If Joe Root could outshine Labuschagne and Smith, then, then England were going to have a chance. But I always thought Nathan Lyon was going to be the, the real key difference in the series. Well, you, you just weren't sure about Scotty Boland, uh, but geez, he's come up trumps. He, he's such a good bowler. He, in all conditions, he's proved so far. Um, England will not back down whatsoever. They'll continue to try and play exactly how they have been playing. Will it work for them under these circumstances? That's the question that needs to be answered. But I don't see them doing anything different. Rightio. Uh, Dooley, tell us a wee bit about uh, 500 to 1 Josh Tung. We interviewed the man Tim Piper who uh, put the bet on. He, came, he was on the show. He's a real character. 
publican out of Warwickshire. <laughs> he put the, 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 but this guy, Josh Tung, now the fun's over because uh, a Lord's Test match, it's his second appearance at Lord's, of course, he played against Ireland. But tell us about Josh Tung and how he's going to handle Australia in the Ashes, you feel? Oh, look, I think he'll be far better for the run in, in horse racing parlance, Smithy. He'll, um, you know, he'd never played a game in um, at, at Lord's prior to that. So that was a great experience for him. I thought he bowled really nicely. He, he's a tall, into-the-wicket bowler. He's probably, uh, he's got a yard on most of these guys, definitely a yard on Stuart Broad and, um, and Jimmy Anderson at the moment. So that will serve him well. I guess the issue for England is it's just another right arm, relatively tall right arm seamer. So they don't have a massive point of difference. Um, great story though, wasn't it? You know when he put that bet on, he was bowling leg spin in the nets. His dad, his dad took him along to training and he was only bowling leg spin in the nets, I think, when he put that bet on. He thought he'd be England's next leg spinner rather than England's next quick. So I think that was, a, so I obviously got that one completely wrong, but got the, the bet right. Uh, so look, he, look, as I say, he'll be better, he'll be okay. Um, will he? Will the Aussies be worried about him? Probably not. Will he be something slightly different for them to face? Absolutely. We've seen a lot about the spats over here, and Ollie Robinson's been central to them. But he's not—he's not having spats with the players. He's having spats with the likes of uh, Ricky Ponting and Matthew Hayden. Um, he's taking on some pretty high <laughs> artillery there. Should he not just focus on what he's got to do? They're one nil down, aren't they? Yeah, look, he should. The thing is, he wasn't really having a go at them as such. I mean, the Ricky Ponting comment was, you know, someone asked him about the sledging. He said, well, over the years, we've seen a lot of it. You know, we've seen the likes of Ponting and, and Clark and, and these guys all do it. And the current batch aren't much different. So he sort of mentioned Ponting's name without really having a go at him. And and in typical Australian fashion, they just jump on board, don't they? They sort of hunt in packs, and Matthew Hayden sort of jumped out and said that, uh, what did he say, something about if you're bowling 124k pies or something like that, you should you should keep his mouth shut. Clark, I see Michael Clark's had a crack now. Um, Ricky's in the commentary box. He's probably the wrong man to have a go at. Um, so, look, Ollie Robinson is a very good cricketer, but uh, I, I just think he's trying to take on a role that maybe Ben Stokes has taken on a little bit in the past as a bit of a enforcer um a little bit of the, you know the stuart broad type role as well as as taking on that chat and it just hasn't quite worked out for him because he got tired in that like that first test match and in the end was bowling you know medium pace at best and and didn't look overly threatening so um yeah he just needs to either either back up the words or uh, or calm the words a little bit so just looking at the, the forecast, I think there is a bit of rain around for this test match, hopefully not on day one, Dooley, but uh, to, in the, your way of thinking, what you've seen from the pitch, win the toss, bowl first, uh, uh, particularly England's point of view without a spinner? Yeah, I think they'll have to bowl first, and they um, they love to chase, remember, England. That, that's been the way they've played um, the style of cricket that they wanted to play in the last little while. It's been all about chasing second-inning scores. So the fact they're going in with four seamers, I think that dictates that they will... Um, Certainly, win the top if they win the top, they'll certainly uh, bowl first. Forecast for tomorrow, Smithy looks uh, really good. Um, I, I think there's a bit of rain around Thursday, and then the rest of the weekend doesn't look too bad heading into sort of Friday, Saturday. So, um, let, let's hope that that is the case. I mean, the, the series deserves some good weather. It's been a, a cracking summer already for the most part, um, as far as the weather's concerned. So, um, yeah, let's hope that continues.
And, and just finally, Dolly, before we uh, we let you go, um, it's a pretty, pretty special uh, test match for one New Zealander. In fact, Chris Gaffney about to stand as umpire in his 50th test match. And uh, he's become very, very highly rated over a long period of time now. In the top couple in the world, comfortably, Smithy, his rapport uh, with the players, I think, is, is probably as good as any of the umpires in world cricket. I think when you look at Murray Erasmus, uh, Rod Tucker and, and Gaff, um, you're probably talking about the three guys who have the best rapport with the players. The English guys are very, very good in Kettleborough and um, uh, Illingworth um, and the big lad from Michael Goff from up north as well. But obviously they can't do uh, they can't do the Ashes. So you know, but but a uh, bit of a shame for um, for them. I just think that that Gaff has done a brilliant job. You know, and the discipline I think he got. He's a very good player, but then obviously going going away to the police force, um, the handling of people, and, and I think um, the way he conducts himself in the middle, he gets very few decisions wrong. Um, I hope I don't put the curse on him, to be honest, but he's just a damn good umpire, and I, I think he's made a really good career out of it. He got into it very young as well. I heard him talk about um, Roger McCarg uh, helping him sort of in that pathway that New Zealand cricket created. So I think it's it's well deserved. I think there'll be a lot more. I don't know, but I wouldn't surprise him if he goes on to break Billy Bowden's uh, test record. Billy was somewhere in the 80s, I think, 83, 84 um, international tests. So it wouldn't surprise me over the next sort of five to six, seven years if, if Gaff continues to do uh, as well as he's doing, that he, that he goes on to break um, to break Billy's record. So, uh, Dooley, from um, a personal point of view, what does the remainder of, of year, uh, your year look like at this point? Uh, all the women's ashes, Smitty. Um, so doing the the ODIs and the um, uh, the the T20s for the for the women's Australia versus England series. We've got some blast action coming up this weekend. Um, blast the finish the sort of quarterfinals and then finals day, which was magnificent last year. Great day out at Birmingham. Uh, and then we get into the hundred, which uh, is right through the month of uh, August. Uh, and that kind of takes me through to September when New Zealand are on these England shores. Uh, New Zealand tour here before the World Cup. So they come here as their final bit of preparation. They play four tw- 2020 games and four ODIs up until about um, late September. Uh, and then they will go straight to um, India for that uh, 50 over World Cup. And I think New Zealand played the first, the opening encounter, Smithy, you would have seen the draw come out today, uh, in Ahmedabad against England. So that'll be an absolute, um, you know, blockbuster. You'd sort of get an 80, 90 to 100,000 in bad for the opening game of the World Cup, which New Zealand uh, will be at. And, um, yeah, then it sort of all kicks off again for uh, for another month and a half in India. Brilliant, Dooley. Uh, hopefully look uh, forward to catching up with you uh, on that side of the world. And um, Ahmedabad, yes, from my uh, recollections, Ahmedabad might be a bit, a bit of a dry state, but we'll find something, I'm sure, if we manage to catch up. So, uh, <laughs> We'll find a way, Smitty, as we, <laughs> as we always do, Smitty, we will find a way. <laughs> we'll find a way, Dooley. Well, uh, re- regards to you um, from all your friends back here in New Zealand um, and uh, loving your work, pal, as always. Uh, stay safe and uh, we'll catch up soon. And thanks so much for your time. Uh, really appreciate it. Cheers, Smithy, and yeah, regards to all back in uh, New Zealand as well. I hope the uh, the wet weather and the rain is not too uh, not too harsh on all back there.